All right, y'all awkward yet? <laughs> Been talking about marriage for for several weeks, and and this week we we've, we've talked about leaving, cleaving, and, and this week we're emphasizing cleaving. All right, so we, we talk a little bit about weaving our lives together, and this week we're talking about cleaving. So hopefully it's going to get really awkward in here at some point today. If you got a young child in here and you want to protect their ears, you're welcome to get them out. If they're middle school and above, I promise I won't hurt anybody's feelings. Um, next week's going to be worse, though. I'm going to go ahead and warn you. That's how it's going to be. So uh, six, seven years ago, uh, we were eating dinner, and I looked at the family, and I said, look, mom and I are about to go have a date night. I'm going to put a movie in for y'all, and then we're going to go back to the room, and I don't want nobody to interrupt us. Ain't nobody else ever done this? <laughs> we got some work to do. You're going to have to listen well. But uh, so uh, I commenced to get the movie all set up, and the kids were all, all set up. And then, then uh, I, I grabbed Cheryl's hand, and we head back to the master suite, which we really don't ever have a master suite, but we call it that just for the record. And, and uh, as I'm walking down the hall, my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old have their iPod hooked up to a little tiny speaker in the hall, and they're playing that song right there. <laughs> I'm walking down the hall. I don't know what that is. This makes you feel like you got a strut when that thing comes up. And they got that little 10-year-old smirk on their face like they know what's going on. And like, like I'm not sneaking on them with this date night thing anymore. And it was, well, I'll tell you, it was cool. It was a little weird, but it was cool. <laughs> because i tell you what's happening is that my kids... We're beginning to understand something that's beautiful, right? They were were beginning to understand that John Reeves and Cheryl Reeves are united in the one. And we're cleaving. We're just going to use cleave a whole lot. We're going to go have sex. That's what we were going to do, but we were cleaving. That's bigger than sex. Anybody can have sex. But we were cleaving because we were committed to one another. The Bible teaches that uh, in Genesis 2 and in Ephesians 5, he says that the two shall become one flesh. All right? (laughs) That's kind of graphic, really. They shall become one flesh. The NLT says the two are united into one. I was, uh, during that season of our life, man, I just, you ever been there? You feel like you're just losing. Have I been there? feel like not like a loser necessarily, but I was losing a lot of things. Uh, money was really tight for us. We had six kids, and we, we were struggling. And, and uh, I don't know what it was, but during that season, man, the cleaving, it was, it was special in a whole different way because I knew that this lady was committed to me and to me only, despite all the garbage that was going on, we were completely committed to each other. Not just physically, financially. Man, our financial woes were hers too. We were together in it. Socially, every kind of emotionally, we were deeply connected to one another. And that was, it was this great place of, of healing. As, as the two of us worked through that time in, 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 a, uh, in a physical kind of way. That ain't two college kids going to the beach, is it? 
Ain't two college kids going to the beach and doing their thing. That that's two people committed legally to one another. I ain't. I, we're together in this. When we ain't nearly as pretty as those two college kids, right? And so there's all this speculation in our world today that that this is less. Two married folks getting together physically is less when the Bible says that it's more. It's far more. I was at this camp and got to talk about sex. You're talking to high school kids. And uh, so we're talking about it. And they had this volunteer staffer. He lived in Atlanta. He was in his 20s. And he liked getting back to the room and talk about his sexual escapades with some of the guys. And word got to me. And, and I, I, at the time, this probably wasn't the most mature thing to do. And I, I said, man, get out your piece of paper. I want to know how many times. Because I guarantee you, I'll dominate your butt all day long. Because I see this woman and I, every night, we sleep in the same bed. Look, look, look at your little punk. Anyway, anyway I need to be careful. But anyway, let, and, and let, let's just do the numbers. Let's just do some math and see when he got all the fence. We went back and forth. And let, let me just show you what was wrong with me in that moment. I was, I was trying to do the math and compare apples to apples. He ain't had no apples. Right? He had some sour lemons. And I had some apples. Because I was committed to this woman, and she was committed to me. We were completely together. We call that cleaving. That's not just sex. That's cleaving. That's sex inside of marriage. I had more than he had. It didn't matter about the numbers. I was acting a fool at the moment, probably what the preacher shouldn't do. But just compete. I just want to show him that this could be healthier in sheer numbers. But, but in reality, man, sex is way deeper than just the physical. That's why when, anytime we do marriage counseling, if somebody's living together, we always ask them to move out. Because it dishonors this idea of cleaving. It hurts people. Do, I mean, we've got a bunch of people here that have done it. It's amazing. And I praise this to you. I, think, I mean, I think it's, it's amazing when people make a strong stand. But it's just one of our, that's like just what we do. Because we want to honor this thing that's special, that's more than what the world keeps on talking about. We, uh, we call this thing the Made Series. And in the beginning, we really argued for creation, right? We argued for creation. And we said that God, according to Genesis, made me in his own image. Then as we got to the end of chapter 1, it says that he made gender, that he made you female and you male. And, and, and that was his decision, not ours. We didn't get to choose. He chose. He made male and female. Is there not a war going on in our country over those two issues? Whether God created anything, and certainly whether God created male and female. It's off the chain. It's a battle. And then we've argued that God created marriage, that he gave Adam to Eve. The first marriage was a marriage that God put together. And we said that he made it. And so we submit to his design. And I hope that you're catching the drift as we talk about marriage. We're saying that one of the best ways to war against this fight against creation and, and this fight against gender and this fight against marriage is to be good married folks. Posting something on Facebook, don't do jack. People look at your marriage and they're like, why would I care what they say about politics? And then I'm going to submit to you now that this is not new. 
But the enemy has warred against cleaving, against marital sex since the beginning. Because the culmination where a man and a woman come together and commit their lives together makes the enemy look weak. And so you're like this. I mean, 1 Corinthians 7 is going to say, you ought to go home and have sex. That's a holy activity, and it wars against the enemy. We'll talk about that next week. If you really want to blush, come next week because I'm going to bring the heat a little bit more. I'm going to bring Cheryl so that I can say more stuff. This week we'll read 1 Corinthians 6, which actually warns us about destroying this thing that was made beautiful. So I'm going to try to do it and do it well. Let me just say to you, as followers of Jesus, if you grew up in church, shame on us. Shame on us. For allowing Justin Bieber to tell us what sex is all about. For allowing the Supreme Court to tell us what sex is all about. God invented sex. We're supposed to be the experts. We're children of God. He, he put us in charge to be his witnesses on this earth. Who's supposed to know the most about sex? The followers of Jesus. Because we are made in his image. He made us. We're the ones that can go back to the beginning and talk about how it was made. And yet we cower anytime some sex ed teacher teaches something we don't know what to do. Shame on us. So that our kids don't get it. I'm going to tell you why. We don't talk about it. All, all you got to do is put in, you go out to the car and put on the radio. So they'll talk about it. Go home and watch the Falcons play today against the Panthers. And, and, and they'll talk about it. Every commercial, they'll talk about it. They'll give their opinion. But we won't talk about it. And the next thing you know, we have a perverted view even though we actually follow the one who invented it. Just so you know, this book is high on sex. Just so you know. Lots of times people grab this book and they get all nervous. I mean, you can flip the Song of Solomon this evening if you like. If you're a married person, flip the Song of Solomon and you will not need a blue pill. I can assure you. It's just this... This is an amazing read. It'll make you uncomfortable. Cheryl's not here, so I'm going to read the woman's part. All right, this is chapter 5. I'm just going to read it quickly because it is awkward. But let me, let me read it quickly. To God, he took a whole book of the Bible to talk about this subject. Here's what he says. My lover is dark and dazzling, clearly not talking about me better than 10,000 others his head is fine as gold his wavy hair is black as a raven his eyes sparkle like doves beside the springs of water they are set like jewels washed in milk his cheeks are like gardens and spices giving off fragrance. you tell the ladies talking right here right we getting flowery in her speech but the hilarious thing is when the guy speaks in this story he's as flowery because he's in love dudes become poets when they're they're in love and, and she's just gonna go through six seven verses and talk about how handsome her man is i'll read you one verse from the man it's got a bunch of metaphor in it and i'm going to leave it metaphor so let's let's just do that he says i've entered my garden my treasure my bride i gather myrrh with my spices and eat honeycomb with my honey and i drink wine with my milk you talking about, I mean, dudes are writing songs these days about a body as a wonderland. They're, they're stealing it right out of Song of Solomon. Except all they can sing about is what they watch. He's talking about married folks. 
with the same intensity, with more intensity. He's saying it's more. When a man and a woman are together and committed for life. This is crazy subject. I hate it. I, I hate that, that our children, that, that this hope and this joy is being stolen from them. When a young man or a young woman can't think about this, this idea, sex, I hate it that they can't be attracted to a, la- a little lady in the other classroom and have her on her mind and not be pushed toward sex first, but can't just enjoy a young lady in an honorable way. It drives me nuts. Cheryl read me an article just, just this week about young guys, high school kids that won't kiss a girl until they have sex. Tell them, if you, I'll kiss you if we. If that happens to you, punch him in the mouth, right? We'll see how he kisses with swole lips. But, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's sad. I, I'm being silly, and it's probably more sad than silly. Uh, let me read to you some of what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians. Uh, yeah, I'm too silly on that. I want to apologize for that because... This subject has a lot of weight, and there's a lot of pain around it. It's certainly times to laugh about it, but I don't want to make light of it. First uh, Corinthians chapter six. Just so you know, Corinth is a big city in of its day. It's in it's in the empire of Rome, and man, you talk about a sexually perverted empire. Rome is that. And so the writer is writing to a church in a big city in a sexually perverted empire. Sound anything like our situation? Just just so, because sometimes people start watching stuff and they're like, Jesus is coming back because things are so bad. Things have been bad before. Matter of fact, the Chinese right now, y'all don't know what bad is. If anybody ought to be thinking Jesus is coming back, we are because people are killing us because we know Jesus. Sometimes Christians... I don't know what it is. We start wanting to go into a hole because things are bad where the writer, he's just addressing the church and he's going, here's how you're going to live because you got the Holy Spirit. You can do this. Here's what he says. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. What? That's intense. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, who commit adultery, or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or, or abusive or cheat people, none of those folks will inherit the kingdom of God. What? That's direct. Let me just tell you what's going on in Rome right now. In the season which this is written, not too long after Plato will come along, and Plato absolute, absolutely praises homosexuality. That's what's going on in Rome couple thousand years ago that's the brightest minds that's what they're talking about nero he's gonna marry a little boy he wasn't a little boy they call him the boy uh i wrote down his name we'll we'll just skip it 14 of the first 15 emperors of rome were either homosexual or bisexual so sexuality is off the chain in rome and he's writing to the church with full confidence, this is the way we live. It, what, what I love about it is it's not, he's not relaxed. He's going to warn them in this passage, but there is this expectation that because of Jesus, this is possible. 
So here's, here's the next verse, and you've got to catch this before you get too down. Some of you were once like that. I love that little phrase. Because we look around this room, and if we had to give testimony, we could get a bunch of guys to stand up and say, I was once like that. Or I was once like that. But look how it reads. You were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right by right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. It's beautiful. Ain't nobody in here clean except for the blood of Jesus. The words in the passage, actually, a couple great words that he uses in, in, in the King James and New American Standard. He says, I was washed and I was sanctified and I was justified. And some of y'all, you go back through your story and you go, man, I was a train wreck and I was a mess and I even felt filthy. And I remember meeting Jesus and it was the ultimate shower where I cleaned up. And for some of you, you've taken that shower and you've forgotten that the blood of Jesus cleans you. It cleanses you. And so though you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you don't know how to live clean. It's this beautiful passage that recognizes the brokenness of society and yet the answer in Jesus. Let's read on. You say I'm allowed to do anything. He's quoting some sayings from the Roman, uh, Roman world in Corinth. But nothing ever is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised the Lord from the dead. You catch what's going on here? They've got these sayings that they, that they make up. They're basically saying boys will be boys. Right? This is what boys do. They're like, they say stuff like, man's got to eat. When they talk about sexual activity. And they could go down and see the temple prostitute. Because man's got to eat. There's this, this idea that sex is just biology. Right? The quote Maroon 5. <laughs> right? It, it, it's, we, he sings with a little, little high voice, animals. He's got this song called Animals. Like, we're just animals. We're just doing what we do. We're going by our instincts. And that's what we teach at school. That's what sex ed says. It says, it, it says that, that uh, we're animals and this is, this is a healthy desire in us and, and be safe. So, so it, there's this idea, particularly in our country, the key is be safe. But this isn't real natural. There's a little bit of truth in that. But it's not that simple. At some level, it starts acting like we're a buck in the woods about now, right? Coming up real soon. And when we're desperate, go get what you got to get. We're just animals. We got no control. In reality, what's the argument? You were not made in God's image. You're just like every other animal on the planet. So what does this passage say about that? He says in verse... About verse uh, 14, and God will raise us up from the dead by his power. There's this power in God. He says before that, and they were made. Remember our little word made? And they were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Is he talking about just skin and muscle and, and, and blood? When, when the Bible talks about bodies or when it says that the two shall become one flesh, well, what's, what's he actually talking about? It's bigger than just blood and, and skin. 
It's our souls. It's the whole person. When the, when the Greek word body comes in, it's about the whole person. So he's arguing that this is way bigger than just some kind of animal activity. Man, when a husband and wife get together, they join emotionally, socially, financially, legally, and in every way. And as a whole person, we would even argue, according to Scripture, somehow they become united as one. Why do you think we got so much pain on this issue? If we were animals, why is there so much counseling done on this issue? How come everybody, virtually everybody in the room has a painful story around this subject? If we just animals. Sex is not just biology. There's more. Let, 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 me, let me read to you a little quote. It's pretty good. This is uh, Tim Keller, my favorite, and this book is, is excellent. Uh, so according to the Bible, a covenant is necessary for sex. So if you hadn't committed... According to the Bible, shouldn't have sex. And it creates a place of security for vulnerability and intimacy. But through marriage, a covenant is necessary for sex. Sex is necessary for the maintenance of the covenant. I like that. So, so you got to have a covenant to get married, but in order to maintain the covenant, you got to have sex. Make sense? Feels really weird to just keep saying that out loud, just like I was just. And the last line says, It is your covenant renewal service. You know what we do every Sunday here? We have bread and juice out. It's something that Jesus asked us to do. Early church started to do it once a week because they did not want to forget. Remember what Jesus said about do this in remembrance of me. There's this, there's this picture when we talk about cleaving, joining a man and woman together, that every time there's this physical connection that we're united as one, that we celebrate a covenant that we made to one another. And at some level, it's a worship service. Somewhere along the line, verse 15, if you'll catch it, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? It's going to get intense right here. Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Whether you know him, Jesus or not, pretty much everybody would agree with this, right? You wouldn't take Jesus and join him to a prostitute. But what he's saying is that you're a part of Christ, and so when you join to a prostitute, then Jesus joins to a prostitute. As a matter of fact, he says, never, exclamation point. And, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? And the scripture says the two are united as one. What? But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. There's this guy named Origen. He came a good bit after Jesus, and he was a teacher in the church. And, and he began to argue that sex is dirty. And so he decided to abstain. As a matter of fact, he went to some very difficult ends to become a eunuch, to abstain. Thus, the nuns and monks and, and whole sects of people that just decide this thing's dirty. It's only given for procreation. And so we're going to stay away from it as far as we can. Man, they cursed us. God made this. He's the expert. He's the designer. And somehow, because, because it's dangerous, right? Because, because of verses like this, 
The church kind of grabbed hold of that, and we can never talk about it. So I'm 12 years old. Mom and dad buy me a TV for Christmas. For those of y'all that aren't my age, you got a different picture of this TV than I got. It's this little TV like this, and it had a little screen about like that, and it was black and white. I know you don't know what that is, but it was black and white, I promise. And it had little antennas on the top, and it got four channels. It got three channels and maybe a fourth one with the little U, U dial on the bottom, if I could find it. And very quickly, I built my whole life around a couple shows in my early teens. There was this talent show that came on after the news. It was at 11.30. It messed me up at school. But I lived in the basement, and I could turn that TV on, and nobody knew. And they always had some model that would come on for about five minutes on that show, and i built my whole life around seeing that model come on the screen in my own little private basement. Lord, help us when Miami Vice came out, right? <laughs> I had a joker locked on Miami Vice in my basement, and, and guess what I couldn't do? I could not ask anybody who knew Jesus what to do about it because we ain't talk about sex. I had to figure that all out on my own. Shame on us. Shame on us. We know the God who created sex, who designed it for cleaving, and, and, and yet our 12-year-olds got to figure it out on a daggone own because we're intimidated by the Supreme Court justice, or worse, Justin Bieber. So we're afraid that we cannot speak against what's going on in this world. And our 12-year-olds have to battle that on our own. still remember I, I would clean gutters for my neighbors to make a little money. Every once in a while, they'd have me watch their house. One day, I was watching one of the neighbors' houses. I went, went, went to the bathroom. The door was open. A little, little uh, linen closet, and there was a stack of Playboys about that big. And uh, I walked by that, and it caught me out of the corner of my eyes in my early teens. And, and, uh, and it was just one of those days of success. But I walked by that bathroom a hundred times that night. A hundred times. And, and we want our young men to be able to handle an iPad in their hands all the time with Wi-Fi unlimited. And we act like ain't nothing going to happen. I would call that stupidity. That's why my kids have a flip phone. Because this fight is crazy. And the church just talks about it in vague terms. We can never talk about it. We run and we put our heads in the sand because we don't want to rise to the occasion. Because what we want to kind of do is just say it's dirty and I'm going to stay away from it when it's this blessing from God. And if we would sell it in a positive way and show our children it in a positive way, perhaps they would change their worldview. I'll read you another quote, which I thought was excellent. This one's kind of long if you stay with me. Biblical Christianity may be the most body positive religion in the world. In other words, the Bible loves bodies. It teaches that God made matter, uh, made matter and physical bodies and saw that it was all good. He took some dust. He made Adam and Eve. And he's like, that's good. And when he made Eve and the, the two of them were together, he said, that's very good. It says that Jesus Christ, God himself, actually took on a human body. Jesus came in and got one of these. Not just the blood, but, but the whole. 
it also says that he is going to give us all perfect resurrected bodies. I hope I get mine before Derek because I'm going to dunk on him right before. Because <laughs> we're going to have resurrected bodies. It says that God created sexuality and gave the woman and man to each other in the beginning. The Bible contains great love poetry. I just read you some. And celebrates sexual passion and pleasure. If anyone says that sex is bad or dirty in itself, we have the entire Bible to contradict them. A couple more lines. God not only allows sex within marriage, but strongly commands it. Next week, we're going to read the commands. So you might want to be here, or you might not. But we're going to read what 1 Corinthians 7 says. The book of Proverbs, husbands are encouraged to let their wives' breasts fill them with delight and be intoxicated by their sexual love. I'm making you uncomfortable here. I'll stop reading. The book of Song of Solomon goes on. Like this was this gift that was given to mankind. And so we, the church, cannot just raise up our hands and run away from it and act like we got nothing to give. We know the creator. So our kids ought to be blessed with the idea that though it has some dangerous things to it, in marriage, it's certainly not dirty. It's absolutely good, even holy. You could even move it to the point of worship. As we represent what the creator made. Verse 18. Run from sexual sin. Exclamation point. Old school. Flee from sexual immorality. I used to love the word flee. No other sin so clearly affects the body as, the one, as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. What's, why is Paul writing this? Why is he telling us to run from it? Why is he telling us to run away from it? When it's outside of marriage. Because he loves you. He's trying to save our butts. He said, because it's a curse to your own body, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and, is, and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. The, uh, the flea thing really create some funny stories through the years all of us have had to flee or not flee we all have stories in the room so if you're uncomfortable it's okay everybody's uncomfortable i've had crazy stuff happen i one time had a young married girl uh and, and her husband show up and they want to talk to me about their marriage and he was livid and i kind of probed to get the story he said she took the computer and she threw it down the basement steps and it broke into a thousand pieces i'm like really Oh, what's it? You got some anger problems? And I started talking to him. You got some anger problems? And she's like, he was looking at porn. And I caught him. Man, I looked at him. I'm like, bro, she got like a 48-hour pass on that. I don't know what she did, but you asked for it. He's like, man, it's a computer. That thing costs $1,000. I'm like, what's she worth? You just told her she was worthless. What you want her to do, give you a kiss? So the question is, how bad is it? I've had guys do all variety of things to run away from porn. And I love it, man. You talk about it's fighting for it. Not only for marriage, but it's fighting to be healthy, to run away from. It's almost as if the sports talk guys act like it's just something you can't win. 
That would say that the Bible is a liar. But it does instruct us on how to win, and that is to flee. In order to flee, oftentimes you've got to talk. You've got to tell somebody. We've got to do this together. I've had some great, great conversations with guys as they fight this battle, and we, we decide how to hold one another accountable. That's by design. <laughs> Devarius lives with me, and, and he likes to use the word fornication, which is a, is a uh, uh, King James word. And he always says, I used to be fornicating. I love the way he says it makes me laugh. <laughs> so you got porn and you got foreign. Because like, not lately, it seems like Christians all the time talk about porn, but they don't talk about foreign. All right? So they're always trying to stay off the computer, but then they're sleeping with people and feeling good about it because I don't look at porn. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It's not porn. I mean, there's, there's danger in, in all of that. And parents, if we're not on top of that, we're just, we're just missing it. Um, there's all kinds of easy coaching things I could say. I don't want to insult your in- intelligence. But, man, if, if you were like 17 once, remember that. That's all it takes. In some ways, nothing's changed. We got to bless our kids by our knowledge and protect them. So when it comes to foreign, when it comes to sex before marriage, there's great. The and temptation out there is off the chain. We got to be informed and we got to be helpful. But that doesn't matter whether you're 15 or 35. This, this onslaught by our world would argue that that is better, that this is such a primal need it's actually gone so far as we worried about sex just being biology and sex being dirty. It has actually begun to make sex God. Let me just, just as, we, as we read the passage, the idea is that it consumes more of your mind than your thoughts for God. I don't know about you, but man, there are seasons in my life where that's taking up a whole lot of my thoughts. Right? Some of y'all might be dominating your thought right now. So there's this, there's this, Decision that, to be made to lower that and place God above that. And value that relationship better than... That's what this is. It's just a relationship with, with a nobody that we elevate. Is it even possible for somebody to get married these days and be a virgin? Is that possible? Absolutely possible. I could name 10 people right now. That are under 25. So I need to say to everybody in the room under 18, this is possible. You need to stop letting the weak folks lead you down a road to weakness. A lot of us in the room, we were the weak folks. So we ain't throwing them under the bus. We're thankful that God redeemed us. But it is possible. It is possible. And, and for that matter, if you're 35 and super experienced and you're single now, you can choose right now based on this. You could choose to start today and decide to go another direction. It is possible. Not, not because we're great and we can be disciplined and strong. What does he say? He says to run. Remember, most of the time the Bible is telling us to fight. And in this case, he's saying, no, turn around and run as fast as you can. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? where Potiphar's wife's coming after him, trying to have an affair with him, and, and dude breaks the tackle, and he's gone, and she takes his coat. You talk about running. It's like the old tearaway jerseys, if you as old as me. The tearaways, he, he got out of there, and that's the idea, which might mean that you ought to cancel Internet. might mean that you need to change phones. 
might need to mean that you need to change jobs because of that guy on your job that you talked to the wrong way. It says run. Because this thing's precious and it's bigger than Cheryl. It's not just about Cheryl. In my case, my wife's name is Cheryl. It's not just about me and her having it great and not cursing our future. It's about God. Check it out. One last time. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? God lives within me. Your body is the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who, has given to, who was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. Thank God I don't belong to myself. For God bought me with a high price. So you must honor him with your body. So he's saying, man, I, what, what I love about this is it kind of feels like it only applies to married people. But truly, the young man in this room that's fighting for it, he's worshiping by his fight. Single again folks in the room that are fighting for it, worshiping by their fight. He says that that right over there, the bread and juice, that right over there, bread and juice, that is how you can win that battle. It, based on him and, and doing it because he paid a great price for us. It goes back to being made in God's image. Folks keep telling us we're losers and that's how we end up wanting to have sex with somebody else. Or look some, we try to fill that void. He's saying, I'll fill that void. I'm the ultimate fill, filler of that void. As a matter of fact, no matter what you've done, I don't care what you've done. Maybe you've been in a homosexual relationship for 10 years. He says, what did he say in verse 11? He said, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. He eventually is going to say you were justified. You're like, bro, you don't know me. I was a mess. You don't know what went down. You don't know how many marriages I've had. You don't know how many people I've cheated. You're right. Oh, I don't know you like that. I know me. I just know me. But I know a lot of people I've talked to through the years. And I've heard their stories. I've heard some crazy ones. And here's what I've witnessed. And this is what the Bible that I hold as an authority says. It says no matter who you used to be, that there's the potential that if you believe in that Jesus who died and shed his blood on your behalf, he can justify you. What's that mean? What's justify me? You ever had an argument and you go, I was justified in what I said. Which meant your anger was justified. You said that crazy thing because they were being like, I was justified. You're arguing saying I was justified. It means I was completely right. There was nothing wrong. Usually whenever you say that, you aren't. But, but just in case, I was justified. He's saying before a holy God, despite your story, you are justified. You're made right. No matter what happened this morning, last night, the night before, or your lifetime, the whole stack of crap that might embarrass you. In this area, he says that you're justified. But there's this expectation that if he paid such a great price to justify me, to make me right, then I'd be faithful to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is heavy because in our world, that seems impossible.
That was done to overcome the impossible. It was impossible for you to have a relationship with God the Father. Jesus overcame impossibilities with his infinite sacrifice. This subject, this, this battle, man, it, it, it ain't going away. Best I can tell, I'm 49 last week, it's still a battle. It's certainly a battle for me. It's one that we have to do in community. One we got to talk to one another about. One we got to help each other with. One of the words I always use, bro, I feel really vulnerable right now. Which means I need some help. I need somebody to be asking me questions. Use that question with Cheryl. Do this in community to protect this beautiful thing that God's given us. Called marriage. In this particular part of marriage, we'll just call it cleaving for today. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Jesus, we got every reason to worship because all of us in this room are sinners. You know us. You know our stories. You know some of the chaos that has gone on in our lives. For some of us, we chose a lot of that chaos. And right now, together, we say we're sorry. For others of us in this room, some of that chaos was brought to us. We had nothing to do with it. Somebody brought it on us and took advantage of us. Hurt us deeply. So for those, Lord, we pray that your spirit would heal. Lord, I, I just want, I want so bad for my younger brothers and sisters, my teenage brothers and sisters in this room. I just want them to have a healthy view of what this whole conversation sex could be like. Pray for protection. I pray that they'd be able to fight the battle that they're fighting. Lord, you know us adults, that thing hasn't gone away. We got some folks in a room that are really lonely and everything in them says if I just could find somebody to connect with physically, it would heal me. Pray, Holy Spirit, you would argue against that lie and argue against it again and again and again. Make us a healthy people. Now listen to us worship Jesus. Amen.